Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. Amen, amen. Thank you, Erica. Good morning, everybody. Happy Mother's Day to you one more time. I just want to say it. Let's celebrate moms one more time today. Well, before I dive into the message this morning, I just want to celebrate just a few things with you. One is last Sunday uh, night, we had our annual gathering of ministers across the state of Iowa in our network of churches, and two great things happened that night. Pastor Madison received her credentials in that service. And the second thing is, uh, we, had fine, we hosted Fine Arts here a few weeks ago, and our teenagers did a phenomenal job with this thing called a human video. It is a, uh, it's drama put to a song, and they did so well at it that they received an invitation to nationals. And then on top of that, the district youth director reached out to us and said, is there any way that your kids would come down to Des Moines on Sunday night and do this human video and us highlight the next generation in the service in front of all of these hundreds of ministers? And so the response was a resounding yes. And I'm just telling you, our kids did a great job. You'd be so proud of them. With it, I got to tell you, God is just moving in our youth services on Wednesday night. I'm going to show you a picture at some point of this. I wasn't planning on talking about it. I'm just going to talk about it right now. Wednesday night was such a powerful service for the students. And at the end of that, we had a tacos and testimony night. Students stood up, stood up, shared their testimonies, and then there was some more worship at the end. And I'm just telling you, like the fire of God fell in that room. There were students that were praying for one another, and then Pastor Madison came up and invited all the students to pray for one another. It was like camp and convention right here on a Wednesday night in our service. And so parents, I'm just going to say it. If your kids aren't part of our youth service on Wednesday night, make sure to get them here. Like make it a priority in their lives. There's a few more weeks left of the semester, and, uh, and we just encourage you to do that. So those are a couple things. And then finally, before I dive into the message, on Easter Sunday, we took up a one day to feed the world, Convoy of Hope, Kingdom Builders offering. And I just want to report back to you that we sent off a check for over $33,000 to feed those who are less fortunate around the world. So we give God praise for that. Thank you for your faithfulness to tithe, for your generosity with Kingdom Builders. It's making a difference in the lives of people. Well, how many were here last week? Oh, that's really quiet. There were a lot of hands. For those of you here watching online, like I know it was quiet, but they, they raised their hands. Last week was, thank you, thank you. I'll, I'll be here all day and hope you are too. So uh, last week, Pastor Glenn preached a powerful message, powerful message. So if you missed it, I'd encourage you to listen online at crosspointwaverly.com. Find us on Spotify. I need to do one more thing. For those of you who are watching online, hi, Mom. Happy Mother's Day. I love you. You're the best. Oh, uh, that's good. I just got some points. If y'all are like, I wish I could do that, become a pastor. And on Mother's Day, you can do the same thing. Last year, Eric and I visited Village Church in Dallas, Texas. We were there for a conference. And that Sunday morning, we heard Matt Chandler preach this message in a series of messages that was so powerful that I just knew that it was a, a, a series that our entire, entire church needed to hear as well. 
So what we've done over the past couple of weeks and what we'll continue to do for the next few weeks is take this series that he preached and personalize it for our context and for our church. And again, I just believe uh, it's so powerful that all of us need to hear it. In this series, we're, we're taking this and, and God's going to do some deep heart work over our, in our hearts over the next few weeks. Three weeks ago, we started this series called Unearth. And a couple of weeks ago, I was trying to tell you that we need to do some work if we're going to become all who God desires us to be. We have to know who's and who we are if we're going to cause trouble for the enemy. How many of you want to cause the enemy as much trouble as he's causing you? Can I see your hands this morning? Yeah. So a few, probably a, a couple of months ago, we got a used pool table in our house, and we've been playing a ton of pool uh, with these teenagers in our house, and one of them will remain nameless this morning, but uh, the strategy of his game is not to hit his balls into the pocket. The strategy of his game is to block all of my shots. <laughs> and I'll just tell you, it's so frustrating. It's incredibly frustrating for it finally to be, not finally, because it's not like the kid's that good, but for it to be my turn again <laughs> and for me to not have a good shot. And, and so I've said to this kid, I'm like, you know, if you would focus more on hitting your ball into the pocket rather than just trying to block me, you might win a game or two, right? And so here's what I want to say to us this morning. What if we lived in such a way that we would frustrate the enemy as much as he frustrates us? What if we woke up in the morning thinking about how miserable we're going to make his life rather than how miserable he's making our lives? For each of us, for the enemy to be like, I hate this guy. Like, I hate this girl. Who are they and why in the world? Can you imagine if we lived in such a way that the enemy would be like, I can't touch him. I can't touch her. I can't touch that church. I can't touch Waverly. And then he finally moves on and goes somewhere else. That's what God desires for us, right? To walk in the power and the authority that Christ has given to us to live and walk victorious lives. This is how we should desire to live. The other thing that we have to know is the who and the what. Who are we and what are we? And we're doing this series because if some of you, if you're navel gazing and you're thinking about how everything's so terrible with you that you can't see that you're distinct or significant or you have a specific identity in Christ, then you'll compare yourselves to others and you'll rob yourself of your joy and the destiny that God has for you. And you'll sit on the sidelines. And I'm just telling you, that's a big ploy of the enemy. At the beginning of this series, I laid out that there are three ways that we can understand what we are. And the first way is this, that we're human beings. We were all created in the image of God. We are distinct from the rest of creation as we've been given a mental and spiritual and emotional component. We're equal in dignity and value and respect because we're made in the image of God. Genesis tells us that. The second way that we see what we are is through our general identity. And this has everything to do with what we do with the person and the work of Jesus. We're either children of God or we're children of wrath. Children of God are those who've confessed with their mouth and believed in their hearts that Jesus is Lord. There are those who have been adopted as sons and daughters, which makes you a child of God. If you are a follower of Jesus, you're a child of God. The other option, according to the Bible, is to be a child of wrath. There's no middle ground here. There's nothing in between. We are, our general identity is that we are either children of God or children of wrath. 
A child of wrath is someone who has decided that they don't need Jesus, that they are better than and a smarter God than God. These are people who believe that they are a better authority over their life and the lives of others than the creator of the creator God of the Bible. A child of wrath is someone who says, I just want to do what I want to do. And Roman tells us that he'll turn us over to what ought not to be done. So this morning, if you're like, man, I, he's, the pastor's calling me a child of wrath this morning because I'm not a child of God, I want to encourage you to do something about it. Again, it's all in, in what you do with the personhood and the work of Jesus. Today, you can become a child of God. You can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you'll be saved. John chapter 3, verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Jesus came to save you from condemnation. He gave his life to save you from being a child of wrath. And once we get this settled, child of God or child of wrath, then everything else is in order. Last Two weeks ago, I talked about a button-up shirt and how either you start at the top or start at the bottom, and you get that first button lined up, and then everything else lines up in order. And if we miss that first button, whether you start at the top or miss at the bottom, then your shirt's going to look wonky on you. And it's the same way with our lives. If we miss this first step, then our lives get out of order and out of whack. But when we get the first button of our identity being a child of God, then when we ask the other questions about specific identity, we can answer them correctly because we're viewing them through the correct lens. So today we're going to take the remainder of our time and focus on specific identity. The only way that specific identity works is if we understand our general identity. The general identity is that I'm a child of God and everything else that we'll be looking at in this series will be built upon that foundation. So for those of you who are here and you're like, I am a child of wrath and I know it, just know that the rest of this series is not going to be built on you being a child of wrath. The rest of this series is going to be about people who are children of God and building upon that foundation. But again, I go back to that the only thing separating you from being a child of God instead of a child of wrath is confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that Jesus is Lord and surrendering your life to him. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about this idea that 91% of Americans believe that the best way to discover who they are is by looking within. And so for people to discover who and what they are, they, they look in and they find their deepest desires, and then they look around and they find others who will affirm and support those desires, and then if that doesn't work out, then on top of that, they'll look up and try to find a religion that they can add to that and sprinkle a little bit of spirituality on top. The problem with looking in is our desires are deceptive, and we can't have everything. This approach is a recipe for disaster. So people have looked in and then they've looked around and they've built their identity off of the desires within them and found a community who will support them and then finally they look up. And it's no wonder that the fruit of this has been anger and anxiety and depression and that we live in the most medicated generation on the entire, uh, the history, in the history of the world. People are not created or conditioned to be able to carry the weight and the pressure of forming your own moral universe. God's already completed that work for us. Yet everything, the whole flow out of culture is telling you that this is the only way to understand yourself is to look within. And as Christians, we have to reject this framework of looking in, around, and then up. 
We're not self-created, we're, we're God-created. We're not self-defined, we are God-defined. And so all of the weight of us trying to figure out who we are has been lifted because, because of who I am in Christ. And so we reject this framework of looking in and around and then up, and, and instead we just look up. Because we're designed by God and we're defined by God. The more that we become his, the more that we actually become ourselves. The more that we obey his word and are sensitive to the Holy Spirit, then the more that we become who he's designed us to be. The opposite of that is also true, that the more we ignore God's word and the direction of the Holy Spirit, the more we doom ourselves to be thrown all over the universe by our evil desires. The more that we see him clearly, the more clearly we see who we really are. I just want to tell you this morning, you are unique and you're special. Pastor Glenn last week said that we don't need another Jonathan, and I was like, amen, and all of you laughed, and it hurt my feelings, and I've had to see a counselor this week as a result of it. Just kidding, but we don't need another me, and we don't need another you. Instead, we need all of us to be who God has created each of us to be, unique and special. And so with this general identity of being a child of God, and now we look at the specific identity. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 139 this morning. Psalm chapter 139. We'll begin reading in verse number 13. It reads, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you so much for your word and for the power that it has to transform our lives. We ask that over the next few moments that we would sense a demonstration of your spirit's power. Would you make your word come alive to us? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10 as well. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Another way of summing up both of these passages of Scripture is that we were made for the day and the day for us. We were made for the day and the day for us. This passage is speaking of God's good design in us specifically. And as we read this verse, we're not required to deny biology. I don't think anybody in this room would try to argue with you this morning that God has knitting needles and it's through those knitting needles that he forms, uh, forms a baby, right? None of us would argue that. But there are some who, uh, who are super critical of the Bible and critical of God and you're like, see, I told you they were dumb. They read a verse this morning that says that God knits babies together and that's not how that happens. It's not how babies are made. I'll just tell you this morning that we know the biological process of how babies are made. And for those of you who are critical of it, like I just want you to see this morning that there's something more being worked behind the scenes of what the psalmist is saying. And what the psalmist is saying is that beyond the biological process is that God shaping and forming us, making us unique. And when we understand that, it makes, it make real, it makes sense. So in verse number 13, it's speaking to our frame. 
that God wove us together in our mother's womb. And part of what he's doing there is adding our physicality. Who we are physically is part of what God is doing for the days. And for us, he's made us this way for these days. So I'm a talker. I know it's shocking. Right? I know some of you are super surprised by that. I've always been a talker. I would get in trouble at school for talking. I know that some of you this morning, you just, you're like, I can't believe that. That's just hard for me to believe. I even got detention. In fact, the only time that I got detention, I got sent to the principal's office in fifth grade for fighting. And, uh, and so that was that. And then I got detention. Uh, <laughs> That might have had something with me to do with me talking too. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then I got detention for talking. And so one day when we lived in Des Moines, I was taking our kids to elementary school, and one of the neighbor kids rode with us. So there were three different kids in the car, and one of them was like, "I have PE today," and the other one was like, "Well, I have music today," and the other one was like, "Well, I have art today." To which my response was, "Well, I have work today." I have work today. And my son knew that I was going to dinner with some people. I had an, uh, an evening appointment out of town. And he says, but yeah, Dad, you're, you're going to dinner with so-and-so. I don't remember who it was. And uh, I just want to tell you something. I blew my son's mind. Okay? So brace yourself for this. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And so I said to my son, son, that's work. I get paid to talk to people. His mind was absolutely blown because he was like, I get in trouble for this and my dad gets paid for it? How does that work? God has wired each of us uniquely. And parents and teachers tried to rein in that gift to be used appropriately uh, through discipline during those school years. But God created me for this. Like he created me for this, for these days. And I just want to tell you this morning that God has created you with the giftings and the skill sets that he's given to you for these days and for this. This is what it means when he knit us together in our mother's womb because he had some days that he made for you and needed to make you for those days. So it's not just the frame that he was working on. Verse number 16 says that your eyes saw my unformed substance. He saw not only our frame, but our unformed parts. He saw our personalities, our natural bents. These are part of God's good design when it comes to specific identity. And so, for example, are you more naturally aggressive or passive? Are you more of an introvert or an extrovert? And I'm not talking about nurture right now. We're just talking about nature. I'm talking about how did you come out of the womb? Some of you know that I have a twin brother. And I was born first. Everything in my life has been a competition, and I started out winning. <laughs> God has built your frame. God has put in your unformed substance because those are the days that he's built you for. You remember what verse number 16 says? Let's look at it again. It says, your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. So what is this all about? It's about this moment right here, that you were made for the day, and the day was made for you. That you were made for the day, and the day was made for you. 
Not everyone was created to do the same thing, but the truth is no matter what, God has intimately, was intimately involved in shaping you. I grew up right at the beginning of the self-esteem movement where at school we would hear these phrases, you can do anything, you can be anything, there's no limit for you of who you want to be. And I'll just tell you, I have no idea what it was like to grow up before that time frame. So I don't know what it was like to be a child uh, during not that time frame. But this movement, while the intent was good, was a huge overreaction because of those who grew up in the no esteem or low esteem days. And on the surface, it seems like a good idea. Let everyone feel good about themselves. Everybody gets a trophy. You don't have to win. You showed up. That's winning. Here's your medal. Everybody wins. And I'll just tell you, you're entitled. I'm not getting on a soapbox this morning. I promise I'm not. But everybody's entitled to your own opinions. But as a dad, I hated it when my son played sports that they didn't keep the score up. I'm like, how's my kids supposed to see what it's like to lose if everybody wins? Because as an adult, how many of you have ever lost something? Right? Okay. Like a few of you, the rest of you are like, nah, I always win. (laughs) This ideology that we're teaching kids that they always win leaves them disillusioned when they move from adolescence to adulthood. So people end up in their 20s or their 30s and they're stressed to the max and they show up to work and they're not treated special like they thought they would be. I used to watch American Idol in its early days. I'll just tell you, I don't watch it now. It's a long time ago. Um, but when I, when I did watch it, so again, I have no idea what it's like today. But when I watched it years ago, these people would show up to sing, and they would audition in front of these judges and the entire planet. Right? It would be broadcast. How many of you used to watch American Idol in its early days? Okay, so you're already starting to cringe because you know where this is going. There were some people who were awful. Like awful doesn't even begin to describe how bad they were. And they showed up to audition because they've been told their entire lives that you can do anything. And as I watched it in the early days, I'm serious, my heart would be so grieved because I was like, how in the world? Did this person go their entire life without having somebody who was courageous enough to tell them that they couldn't sing? It was bad. Like their parents, their closest friends, their family members, nobody had the courage to say, maybe you should do something else. And instead they let themselves embarrass themselves Entire, in front of the entire planet. This morning, I want to tell you that you can't do everything. You can't be anything that you want, but that doesn't make you less than. Right? You're unique. It's Mother's Day today, so everybody's thinking about their kids. And I'll just tell you, as talented and as wonderful and as lovely as my kids are, as a parent, I know that they have limitations. There are some things that they will never be great at. And some of you, you see that in your kids, and yet there are times when in this self-esteem movement where we're like, no, you can do anything, you can be anything. And I'm just telling you, like, that's not what the Word of God tells us. The Word of God doesn't tell us that we can be anything or do anything, but God has intricately, intimately woven us together. He has shaped us in a unique way for unique days. 
there's not another you, there will never be another you. You have been uniquely wired by God and he built you for a purpose. He's built you for these days and for these days he has built you. He gives you what you need for these days. God did it, you didn't. You're not self-created, you're God-created. You didn't put it in you, God put it in you. You didn't determine it, God determined it. This is a significant part of how we understand our specific identity. Acts chapter 17, verse number 26, it says, And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their ways towards him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. It says, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place. Maybe there are some of you here today that you've convinced yourselves that you're an accident. Can I tell you today that you're not an accident? Your parents' planning or lack thereof has no bearing on you being here. Because God says, I have determined the allotted times that you would be here. We were made for this moment, each of us. We are God's people for this moment. This is our time. In the climate in which we live with the persecution of the global church, in the moral decline of our nation, the demonic ideologies being celebrated and spoken of as good, the Bible tells us that there would be days like this. And here's the good news. We were created for these days. The Bible tells us that there would be days like this and that we were created for these days. It was for this set of time and this geographical boundary that we would be in this space. And here's what the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 1. See if this, in your opinion, describes the days that we live in. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people's, people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then we see this warning in Isaiah chapter 5, verse number 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. In a day when people call evil good and good evil, we have exactly what we need and exactly what we have to have to punch the devil in the face. Right? We have exactly what we need and exactly what we have to have as individuals and as a church to do it. And I'm just telling you, it's time for us to wake up and do it. It's time for us to wake up and do it. You are uniquely wired by God to do it. Most weeks our church prays for a specific country, and specifically we pray for unreached people groups. And I'll just tell you that there are times in my spirit, you got to know I love the church. That's not what this is about. I love our community. It's not what this is about. But when I think about the need globally for the gospel to be advanced, there are times when my spirit grieves. 
when we look at nations where literally billions of people who are far from God with no access to the gospel and the fact that in this season, in this moment, God has us in a geographical boundary in Waverly, Iowa of 10,000 people with 20 churches. How many know that sometimes it seems like life's not fair? But I don't get hung up on this piece because we go back to Acts chapter 17, verse number 26. Having determined a lot of periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. I don't get stuck by this because here's what I believe. Is that he has placed us here at this time and this moment and these geographical boundaries to be close to people in our community who need Jesus. And so for you, the same is true. It's not by accident that you're here. It's on purpose that you're here. God has placed you in this time, in this moment, in this county, in this city for a reason. And what we see in this passage is that the Spirit of God dwells within every believer. Everywhere we go, the Spirit of God goes. So in your workplaces, in your school, your family meetings, you take the presence of the Almighty God with you, which means that wherever you go, there's somebody in close proximity to God. He's placed you here for a reason. It's a stunning reality. If we could think about ourselves in a way that doesn't puff us up or make us feel like we're the point, we're not the point. But the creator of the universe has been intimately involved in every aspect of your life. For this moment and this period of time, we're, to get, we're, we're together on mission by the design of God. And so we hear this through the lens of a God who's created us, through the lens of a God who's given us a specific identity. There's something significant about you that's different than everyone else. That's not your general identity of being a child of God. We're all, as followers of Jesus, we're all children of God, but there's something distinct about you that's different than the person sitting beside you and behind you and in front of you. You have an individual story. You have highs and lows. You came out of the womb a certain way, and then God has used you to shape you into who you are today, and it's powerful and profound. I love what Pastor Glenn said last week about comparison, that when we compare ourselves to one another, it leads to one of two things, either arrogance or depression. We don't need to compare ourselves to others. We just need to be who God has created us to be. How I want us to end our service this, this morning is I want us to take a moment And listen to the way that our voice describes who we are. During worship, I had this image. Because I didn't practice it, I'm not going to do it. But here's the image that I had. Is I could go into that drum cage right now, and I could just start playing a beat on the drums. And you would be able to hear me through my microphone. And I might would be able to hear myself talk if I'm just keeping a beat. But if I got into that drum cage with this microphone on and I just started whacking and crashing and beating and banging and kicking on the drums, I'm just telling you that my voice would be very difficult to understand and make out through the noise. 
And I believe this morning that God wants me to tell somebody here today that some of the noise that's drowning out the voice of who he says he is to you is your own doing. And so this crashing and this kicking and this smashing and all of this, all this noise in your life. And so for just a moment, this morning, I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes. All across this room, everybody. And I want you to drown out the noise in your life right now. And I want you to listen to your own voice of how you describe who you are. How kind are you to you? How apt are you to believe what the Word of God says about you? Are you more apt to agree with what Satan says about you? Are you a child of God? Or are you a child of wrath? When you hear this voice, do you hear that God delights in you, that he's long-suffering in his grace towards you, that he's desirous to use you in profound and powerful ways, or does that voice try to tell you that somehow you've outsinned God's grace? Maybe for some of you, you wish that you were further along than what you are in this race of faith. And I'll just tell you that everybody wishes that they were further along than what they were. Even the Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12, he says that, not that I have already obtained this or already been made perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you've come into this room today and you say, I want to move from being a child of wrath to being a child of God, in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. For some of you, that means that for the very first time in your life, you're going to be calling on the name of Jesus. For the others of you, maybe there are some of you who've who have one time walked with God, but you've turned your back on him. And, and today you're gonna see that relationship restored back to him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, you say, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. One, two, Three, are there others this morning? You can put them down. Four, five, are there others? Let's all stand. There were at least five hands that went up this morning of people who need to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who need to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raised your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. But know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus 
to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done. If you raise your hand and prayed that prayer here in person or online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made today in the journey that God's going to take you on. I'm going to pray over us. And then after I do, the worship team is going to lead us in a song. There will be people moving up to the front here on each side of the stage that are, are going to come up here to pray for you. And so today, if you've come with any prayer need and you're like, I just want somebody to pray for me, then I would encourage you in just a moment when I'm done praying that you would step out of your seat and that you would come forward. My wife Erica earlier talked about that maybe there are some of you who today is a difficult day. And you just want somebody to pray over you and encourage you today, or maybe you have another need. I, I'd encourage you, don't let uh, what you think somebody else might think about you keep you from stepping forward here in a moment. I'm going to pray. Worship team's going to lead us in a song, and then I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward for prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you that every person in this room has been given the ability to become a child of God. The gospel's been presented and many have responded. Lord, I pray for those in this room, those in our community, those around the globe who are far from you, who are children of wrath, that you would place believers in close proximity with them that are bold and courageous, that would share their faith. And Lord, I pray that it would fall upon receptive ears, that even right now, those who are still holding back and holding out in this room would take a moment right now and confess you as Lord and Savior. And I pray for those this morning that whose lives just feel like they're in a drum shield and that there is just noise all around them so they're not hearing your voice, they're not hearing what you say about them. God, this morning I pray that you would silence out the noise in the noise of the enemy, specifically in the lives of people today. For those that have been believing the lies, I pray that today would be a day where there would be a renunciation of that and instead that, that your voice, that the voice of the Holy Spirit would ring so loud and clear in the ears of everybody here. And I pray that you would help us to live victorious lives, that, that truly that we would cause the devil more frustration than what he causes us. Help us to walk in victory and in your love, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.